Easy, breezy, beautiful, the Gossier. I'm Grace. <laughs> I'm Bridget. That's the cover girl slogan, but obviously with a little twist. Yeah. Because I don't work for cover girl. I work for the Gossier. You work for the Gossier, babe. And we're over here making covers. Exactly. We're high fashion and we're catalog and we're relatable. We're all of it. <laughs> we're all of it. Let's get to our first segment, which is You Have to Tell Me, the segment where Grace and I each bring a little bit of goss to the table to tell the other one. So, Grace, why don't you start? You have to tell me about Christy Carlson Romano tells her 9-11 story. This is fun. I mean, as fun as a 9-11 story can be. (laughs) That's a hilarious way to put that. I well. (laughs) As I'm sure you know, by the time this podcast has come out, we will be past the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So it's okay to joke. I'm famously very young. I was in first grade when 9-11 happened. And for those who don't remember the name Christy Carlson Romano or you can't place it, she was on Even Stevens, was the voice of Kim Possible. She was like Disney royalty for a second before she completely fell off. She was an older sister on Even Stevens. Yes, she was. Lately, she's made the pivot into becoming a YouTuber. So she's been posting a lot of YouTube videos and she has mastered clickbait because let me tell you, every time I read a title, I'm like, I want to watch that. How many of them have you watched that were like worth it besides the 9-11 story? I would say quite a few. Let me read you some of the titles of her YouTube videos and let me tell you, like, see if they hook you. Because I, I have heard of some of them and I've heard like what they're about. But then the gist of what I hear, it's pretty like anticlimactic. It's like, I'm not telling you a very juicy story. I'm telling you more of like just what happens to like child actors. Yeah. Her most famous one really is one called Why I Don't Talk to Shia LaBeouf. And it's like, we know why you don't talk to Shia LaBeouf. Even from outsiders, we can tell he's a little weird. He's a little weird. And he's like in a whole other echelon. Yeah. It's like, I don't I don't think you don't talk to Shia LaBeouf. I think Shia LaBeouf doesn't talk to you. But also, I don't think I'd want to talk to Shia LaBeouf either. Yeah, I agree. But that's her most famous one. She also did one called How Katy Perry Got My Record Deal. Obsessed. Oh, okay. uh, why I Don't Have Famous Friends. What My Celebrity Bullies Taught Me. How I Lost All My Money. Um, am I Irrelevant? <laughs> why I Ran Away From Hollywood. Etc. It's like on and on. So she's YouTubing. It's kind of a thing Christy Carlson Romano is doing now. And I think good for her. Do what you got to do. I love it when a celebrity be- tries to become a YouTuber because it feels like so small potatoes to them. But for Christy Carlson Romano, she doesn't really have anything else going on. So good for her. Yeah. Yeah. But to the matter at hand, the 9-11 video, you know, it's very easy to make fun of the YouTube culture. And this video, say what you will about Christy Carlson Romano. It's not like overly edited YouTube goofiness. It's just her on a hike, like talking about 9-11, which it's not like out. It's obviously not a funny video because she's talking about how she was in New York during 9-11. She was at a high school and she was like of the age to be scared. But the funny thing about it is that she's hiking a public trail and the whole time she's talking about her experience on 9-11 and how she was scared for her life. There's like people running back and forth, like on the phone. Did you tell what trail it was? I have no idea. No. I couldn't tell. 
I wouldn't say the video is worth a watch, but it is funny to think of her with a professional level camera hiking. Not a weird occurrence to see in L.A. Someone filming their hike. That's actually very normal in L.A. If you're listening to this and you're not in L.A., that is like that. There's like 20 people out there doing that. But it is weird to walk by someone filming and they're like our whole lives changed when the plane hit the Pentagon. And it's like, what the fuck? We're all having fun. We're all hiking. I'm out here trying to have recreation. Yeah. Like, it's one thing for someone to be like, fit check, sports bras, Nike. And it's a whole other thing to be like, and then the third and then the second plane hit. It's like, ah, (laughs) did did she reveal anything that was like unique? No, that's hilarious. It's the same as I mean, I mean, we all not all of us were alive, but a bunch of us were alive for 9-11. We kind of all had the same experience. Either you were in school and you understood what was happening or you were in school and you didn't understand what was happening or you were an adult and you understood what was happening. Like there's variations to the experience, yeah. especially if you have if you knew someone who died in 9-11. Sure. But most people have like the same story. Like, yeah, it was scary. It's the same as any major historical event. Are all of her stories told out in the public, like on a trail? No, I don't think so, actually. But maybe. OK, I just wasn't sure from watching the other videos if it, if she keeps choosing the same setting because <laughs> that's kind of weird too to like go out of your way <laughs> to choose a public park for that story yeah, I think she wants her brand to be like really approachable and like low-key low maintenance which I do think she is um achieving but I don't know if that is like the best avenue for a 9-11 YouTube video yeah yeah that feels it's a little off, but she's kind. but she's kind of charming. So I think she kind of gets away with it. I think if someone more famous or less charming had done this, it would have been big, cringy news. Yeah. But I think oh, because yeah. it's Chrissy Carlson Romano, who no one really cares about and who kind of is really like good on camera. No one really blinked much except being like, oh, this is funny. She's at the exact right of fame for a cringy 9-11 story on a trail in public. Exactly. Okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about sad news of the week. Michael K. Williams died. Yes, this is devastating. Uh, Last Monday, we put to rest a true king. Uh, Williams is probably most known for his roles on Boardwalk Empire, Lovecraft Country, and the greatest of all time as Omar Little on The Wire. You mess with the king. You best not miss. Hey, yo, lesson here, babe. You come at the king, you best not miss. Williams was a gay icon, a black icon, and someone who openly struggled with drug addiction, thereby helping to break down stigmas. Um, He was also known for someone who helped out his community a lot in Flatbush, and he worked with black youth. Obviously, I am I was devastated when I heard the news. Um, he was only 54. And of course, the New York Post didn't waste any time saying it was a drug overdose because supposedly there was heroin or what looked like heroin at the scene mm-hmm. of his death, uh, which is just a great, terrible reminder that if you are doing drugs and, you know, hashtag no judgment, you can test your drugs for fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And you can get free tests, I believe, where at most like drug clinics. 
So I think so. And isn't this this was there was another group of people, too, that passed away this past week from like fentanyl laced cocaine. Yeah. So test your cocaine, test your heroin, test any street drugs. Honestly, there's no reason Mm -hmm. not to test your street drugs. Like I can't judge anyone for doing drugs, but we could at least be safer about it. Well, and that's why this is another failing of America. By criminalizing drugs, we make them more unsafe. Yes. But that's a soapbox for another day. I have not watched The Wire. Of course, What About Me looks like I would have watched The Wire. I know. But, but you Michael should K. Williams- at least look up a list of like 10 best episodes. So then you don't have to sure. like bore yourself with like some of the longer episodes. <laughs> that's fair. But Michael K. Williams, I know him from his incredible comedic turn on community. He was on community. <laughs> he was on community. He plays like a biology professor. I pulled up a clip. Oh, oh, my God. I think I like vaguely remember this because this aired like what? Ten years ago, a long time ago. I mean, and I love community, so I've watched it many times. So I know this. Yeah. He is really funny on community, but I brought a clip. How about it, Jeffrey? What was Starburns doing there? We agreed to withhold that information as part of a pinky swear with a witness. A pinky swear. This is ludicrous. This whole school is ludicrous. Who honors the pinky swear of a degenerate over the word of a decorated soldier? I'm inclined to agree with the man in uniform. Shocker. Jeffrey, tell us what Starburns was doing in that classroom or your group can take an F. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I grade my students. Now, what Starface was doing is irrelevant. What matters is what he saw. I'm upholding the pinky swear. What? Yo, man, you spent your life in the army. I spent mine in prison. Two places where a man's word is only as good as his uniform. Now, out here, it's supposed to be different. And in my class, it will be. You two can plead your case to the class and let them decide your grades. Professor. Thank you. It's not a favor, Mr. Winger. A man's got to have a code. That's like some wire shit, too. Yeah, that, I like they exactly. get into that. Yeah, they know what they're doing on over on community. But he's very funny. Very sad to see him pass away this week. Yeah, we lost a good one, folks. And if you don't know who Michael K. Williams is, do yourself a favor. Look up a best of list. Watch Lovecraft Country. Watch Boardwalk Empire. He, I mean, amazing actor. Anytime I've seen him on screen, it's mm-hmm. been like so... Like that clip. I was like, yeah, as soon as he said biology teacher, I was like, oh, I, I know. I remember that now. Like, oh, yeah. my goodness. He's in that's in season three of Community. If you only want to watch one season of Community, that is the one I would recommend anyway, because it's the best season, even not even taking Michael K. Williams in consideration. But he is so funny in it. He's so great. Sad day. Sad day. Pour some out. Grace. You have to tell me so many details about this because I don't understand what I'm reading. Frankie Jonas made a bunch of people pose with a Scientology necklace. Excuse me, what? Okay, this is like this is the big TikTok story of the week. So for all of you people who don't want to hop onto TikTok, let this be your sign that you should hop onto TikTok. So Frankie Jonas naturally got on TikTok when it started. Frankie Jonas is the brother of Joe, Nick and Kevin Jonas, or as he was known to Jonas Brothers fans, 
the bonus Jonas. He obviously was not in the Jonas Brothers, but he was famous kind of tangentially to them because how could he not be? They all look so, like too, right? Hmm? He, they all look like he looks like he is a fourth. I mean, he's, he's a lot younger than them. Um, so he looks a little bit like them, but he's definitely the least hot of the four. <laughs> okay. That's and anyone who knows him, that's not that's not upsetting. It's not a surprise to say that. But he got on TikTok, obviously, because, you know, Frankie Jonas, he has a charmed life. He hasn't really had to work that hard as his brothers have, but he's going to be famous for life. So naturally, he got on TikTok. And the joke originally on TikTok that everyone made was every time there was a video of like Joe Jonas, everyone would be like, oh, my God, I didn't know Frankie had a brother. Ha ha ha. So a lot of people were like initially kind of accepting of Frankie Jonas on TikTok, kind of laughing with him. But eventually Frankie Jonas started to annoy people. So Frankie Jonas has this reputation on TikTok of being like kind of cringy, kind of annoying, but like whatever, we get why he's here. We're not really upset about it. Has he done something more cringy than this? I don't think so. Let me look at his TikTok really quick. He mostly just like, you know, he's kind of he's just not really anything special on TikTok, but he has like two million followers because he's Frankie Jonas. Honestly, I don't follow him. I don't have much of an opinion on him either way. I don't really see his videos, but the general consensus on TikTok is that he's kind of annoying, but whatever. And then This week, he posted a video and then quickly deleted it. But I have a screen recording of it, which I can post on our Instagram, where basically he brought a Scientology necklace to a party with a bunch of like high level L.A. TikTokers and made them all pose with it. And a lot of them just didn't know what it was. So they just posed with it. Notable people he got to do it. And if you're not a TikTok fan, you may not know all of these people. He got big TikTokers like Lil Huddy. Noah Beck, and both Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. But on top of that, he got Suni Lee to pose with it. Oh, no, not I know. So he kind of got immediate backlash for like, you're taking advantage of like the ignorance of youth just to get TikTok views. Wait, wait, wait. So he's not a Scientologist. He's not a Scientologist. Okay, okay. So this isn't as scary as I thought it was. Yeah, I thought he was doing like a Tom Cruise on people. No, he was just doing it to like joke around. And because of the involvement of Suni Lee, I think it got it got kind of bad because everyone's like, you tricked Suni Lee into doing this. No one cares if you trick Noah Beck into doing this because no one cares about Noah Beck. But everyone was worried about Suni Lee, who is hanging out in L.A. because she's on Dancing with the Stars. So he immediately deleted it. And people are like, This is so ignorant. This is so upsetting. I can't believe you would do this to all these young people just to trick them for views on your video. But then there's kind of a second wave that's like, okay, but this is funny. (laughs) Yeah, I actually think it's kind of funny. Yeah, Um, I think now that I know he's not a Scientologist, but the Sunni Lee, I don't care about the young people like whatever. Yeah, young people. But like messing with a gymnast, a U.S. Olympian, that to me is kind of offensive because as we've seen, as we've talked about on this podcast, like to be in the United States Olympic program, it's, and I mean, globally, the, the regulations are bananas and somewhat racist. And so it's like, just don't mess with her livelihood, man. Yeah, exactly. But Frankie Jonas is 
obsessed with being famous. I'll show you I'll show you the video really quick, even though it won't communicate that well. Oh, that's funny. So if he deleted it, how do you save a TikTok? Is it like the same as when you save an Instagram? You can save a video through TikTok. It's one of the options when you're scrolling through. So even after it's deleted? Well, before it's deleted, you can. The way I got that is that someone had reposted, I think, a saved version of it, and I screen recorded it. Oh. Because now, obviously, they're trying to scrub it from the internet. Yeah. So it's a little hard to find. I was trying to show it to someone last night, and I opened The Sun, and The Sun didn't have it on their website anymore because it had been taken down. But obviously, it's the internet. Nothing's ever going to be impossible to find. That's funny. You should bring that out like five years from now and just be like, remember when? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you remember this? A little time capsule tree. <laughs> okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about how Steve from Blue's Clues misses us. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to play the video for this one because I feel like that will give us the context of what we're talking about. Okay. Hi. You got a second? Okay. You remember how when we were younger, we used to um, run around and hang out with Blue and find clues and talk to Mr. Salt and freak out about the mail and do all the fun stuff. And then one day I was like, oh, hey, guess what? Big news. I'm leaving. And we didn't see each other for like a really long time. Can we just talk about that? Great, because I, I realized that, that that was kind of abrupt. Um, I just kind of got up and went to college. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you, ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends. Thanks for listening. You look great, by the way. Whatever it is you're doing, it's working. Okay. Very sweet, especially like I didn't, I was too old when it came out, but I watched it with my younger siblings a lot, especially since I took care of them a lot. And there's kind of a lot to unpack there because I think most people, isn't the story that Steve left Blue's Clues because he was tired of being on a children's TV show and he wanted to be a serious actor? Yeah, I think so. So he left us and he's acting like we're cool. Here's the thing about this story that I feel inclined to say. The reaction to it is why people make fun of millennials. You see all your millennial friends posting on Instagram like, oh, my God, I'm crying about this. Guys, guys, we can't be doing this. This is why Gen Z makes fun of us. (laughs) It's literally a TV show. He left because he wanted a better job. And now he's crawling back because guess what? They gave him a paycheck. He's not doing this because he misses you. And he couldn't and he never found a better job. Yeah, he never found a better job, but he still like he he lives a fine life, obviously. Yes, he's living comfortably. I don't know if you've seen his house in Williamsburg. Oh, no. If you have a house in Williamsburg, that's yeah, that's already enough there. He's got a lot of money, but the. The reaction to this is like, oh, my God, Blue's Clues. It's like, guys, it was number one. It was Blue's Clues. 
Number two, you don't know this man. He doesn't know you. And guess what? He doesn't miss you. Yeah. Are any of you even listening to his fucking podcast? Like, does yeah. he do a podcast now and talk about like, oh, I'm not that guy. I don't know. He also did. Recently, I saw something. I don't know where it came up suggested to me. I obviously didn't watch the whole thing where he was reacting to old videos of Blue's Clues with the new like person on Blue's Clues. So obviously he wants some more of that sweet, sweet Blue's Clues money. (laughs) Cold, hard cashola from that big blue mud. (laughs) The cold, hard blue cash. I just I mean, and no disrespect to Steve. Get your fucking money. Obviously, you were on Blue's Clues. You should be able to milk that for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as any actor should be able to. Yeah. Make money off their previous projects. I think that's. But millennials hopping on Instagram and being like, oh, my God, I'm crying. I needed this today. This just made my week. I need to go cry in a hole. It's like, guys, it is a minute long video. I know, but I I feel like. Part of the reason millennials do that, it's easier to pour your emotions over something sentimental like that than it is to face like, hey, maybe I shouldn't have to pay my college bills. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I can't cry over that, but I could cry over Steve and cry over Steve. That's true. I I mean, I guess misplaced emotions. That's true. I am. I am a zillennial. I've decided so. It is my job to bridge the gap between Gen Z and millennials. And this is why Gen Z makes fun of millennials. Bridge the gap. Granted, there's plenty of reasons millennials make fun of Gen Z. But this is this is why Gen Z makes fun of millennials. Fun as it may be. I don't know why. I don't understand why Gen Z are. I do understand why. I always think I don't understand why, because I'm millennial millennial. And I'm like, why are they making fun of us? But then I remember I don't even like most of my peers. So it is warranted. Well, and also it's the circle of life. Yeah. We made fun of Gen X. Gen X made fun we of baby. We really make fun of Gen X. It went from like, I feel like people forgot about Gen X and it went straight yeah. into like, let's just make fun of boomers. Yeah. Which, hey, good for Gen X. I mean, I think millennials are funny. And sometimes I'm like, oh, don't make fun of millennials. But then you meet like a really millennial millennial. And you're like, because as a millennial myself, I'm like, okay, I don't like avocado toast that much. But then you meet someone who actually is really passionate about avocado toast. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason we get made fun of. Oh, yeah. Or like people who take pictures of their food. I mean, yeah, I'm over it. I take pictures of my food. Oh, whoops. Uh, And people who say like, but first coffee. That's me. That's okay. Ugh. What, you do yoga now, too? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Grace, you have to tell me Jonah Hill carries a Birkin. Okay, this is funny, but very straightforward. So the trailer was released for Adam McKay's new movie. Don't oh, yeah. look up. I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited for it. It's got a stacked cast, including Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Ariana Grande, and love of my personal life, Jonah Hill. I love Jonah Hill and Jonah Hill in it plays the whole point. The whole like uh, plot of the movie is that an asteroid is coming to Earth. And it's like some kind of like political satire of how politics would react to an asteroid coming to Earth. Hence the phrase, don't look up. They So they released the trailer and some press photos. And in one of the press photos, Jonah Hill is carrying a Birkin. And a Birkin is like a very famous, uh, the most famous expensive handbag there is. And 
it makes me laugh. And there's not a lot to it, but it makes me smile. And there's no real context for it. Well, I'm assuming that I'm assuming that the context is that he's, you know, a materialistic rich guy. There's the photo. Oh, he could also I wonder if it's just like he's a bad guy like uh, like Veep. He's kind. He seems like the bad. He seems like one of the bad guys based on no, the trailer. No, no, no. Like B-A-G. Like, oh, bad guy. Like the guy in Veep, you know, yeah. who carries around the bag for the president. I think that's probably exactly what they're going for. He clearly works for President Meryl Streep somehow. So he might and be Meryl Streep's bad guy. I think that's probably true. But I'm just obsessed with the fact that it's a Birkin. Oh, what was his name? Gary. He's a Gary Walsh. <laughs> I never watched Veep, but I, I, I get the joke. Well, Madam Prime Minister, I don't believe I've had a chance to introduce you to Gary Walsh. No, no, you have not. Yeah, I'm the VP's bag man. Which I believe in Finland you say, Kasi? Excuse me? I'm a Kasi? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get this translation from? I have a Finnish friend in DC who works at the embassy and she gave me lessons before I came. You see, um, Kasi is bag, but it's not a uh, bag man. It is a, a man bag, you know? It is a, it is a container? It is a, a testicle container? <laughs> no, you don't. don't feel ashamed, Gary, because of course you're not a ball sack and not everyone can say that they're not excuse me i'm so sorry a ball sack not even everyone at this very table uh okay bridget you have to tell me andrew yang is launching his own political party that's sad it's super sad because who would join who would join the yang gang he can't even get support when he's in one of the major parties exactly but i will say i've met people who or like who use the term Yang Gang earnestly. Oh, yeah. I've I've met an earnest Yang Ganger in my my time. Always moderately liberal white guys. BTW, in my experience. I, I've heard it from um, a variety of people. Oh. But I think after the comments, the Twitter fiasco of his New York mayor run where he posted in support of Israel. Um, I think that kind of made a lot of people take a pause. Yeah. The old Yang gang. I do think, look, I was never a part of the Yang gang, but I understood the goodwill behind him post presidential run. Like I understood what people saw in him. Yeah. Though I I didn't see it. He was openly giving us numbers of how we would support Americans, which as much as I love Bernie, Bernie would kind of dodged those yeah. specifics, which I mean, I understood why Bernie did that, but I think exactly. But it became more tangible when Andrew Yang started giving numbers. Exactly. So I think he had that kind of goodwill. Why the hell he ran in New York and just ruined all the goodwill he had? I'll never understand. I'll never understand why he did it. I'll never understand how he did it. It is a master class in stupidity. I mean, is he even a New Yorker? He's not. Isn't that the thing? Exactly. Doesn't he live in like yeah. New Jersey? And I think even before then, he was like Silicon Valley. So it's like, how New York is this guy? It just feels like who let him do that? Yeah. Someone was like, you know, what would help you sell more books. Oh, speaking of which, this political party that he is launching 
happens to coincide with the release of his new book. So surprise, surprise. How serious can you even take the political party when it's there's a promotion behind it? It feels like he should have launched a political party after his presidential run. Yeah, that would have probably been the most effective. But obviously he's not doing it to actually launch a political party. He's doing it to get headlines for when his book comes out. Which is incredibly offensive. I mean, I hope people see that because the left is already very splintered yeah. and very nuanced that the last thing you need to do is add another fucking party to this chaotic mess of left wingers. Like we have the Green Party. We have the DSA. We have people on the Democratic scale, which is from basically a Republican who hates the Republican Party all the way to the most progressive, because in order to vote for the primaries, you have to register as a Democrat. Like, how about we stop fucking around and try to actually unite the left to help people? Is that yeah. too crazy? Is that too crazy to ask one of these uh, billionaires to figure that shit out? Apparently it is too crazy. It's just like. I don't know who is on Andrew Yang's team, but they cannot do one thing right. It just feels like this is such a roundabout way to promote your book. Go on fucking hot ones or something (laughs) like that gets that is a perfect target audience for Andrew Yang. Yeah. And instead, he's starting a political party. His publicist should be shot. Honestly, damn, Grace, I think you might have found your true calling here. See, like, look how look how immediately I got the perfect thing. And it's not like Hot Ones wouldn't book Andrew Yang. They'd book Andrew Yang. They would. They would 100%. They would love to have the Yang gang visit. Exactly. It's just, it just feels like someone has no idea what they're doing. The same person who let him run in New York is fucking up. Yeah, you got to fire that that guy. Yeah. And we know it's not Andrew Yang because it's very clear he doesn't really have any solidified opinions about anything. It's very clear he makes a statement based on whatever his team tells him to make yeah. a statement on, which so, is why he made a pro-Israel statement. Yeah, it's time time to quit your team, dog. Yeah, you need a better team if you want to be anything. Yeah. <laughs> anything other than a talking head. But if you want this to be the United States of Yang Gang. But maybe I mean, maybe his end game really is just to be talked about. In which case, good for you, Andrew Yang. You got it. Hey, killing it. <laughs> We have a special segment this week, and it is called Baby on Board. We have three big babies. Big babies. Hitting the scene. And we'll go in order of least exciting to most exciting. No offense to the baby, but not everyone's parents are as exciting as others. Very true. First pregnancy is Jennifer Lawrence, who is having a baby with some guy I don't know. Cook something. Yeah. Art dealer in New York. It's like Cook Maroney. I always lose track of who she was dating or not. She was dating Nicholas, not Nicholas Braun. She was dating Nicholas Holt for a long time. And she was also dated um, Darren Aronofsky. Yes. After Mother, which I didn't see. Actually, I think they dated before Mother. And then I think after Mother oh. is kind of when they. Right. But now she is going to be a mother. And now she's going to be a mother. Exactly. I hope when she has the baby, she posts an Instagram photo and the caption is mother. Hopefully. Her baby has a better life than the baby in that movie. Yeah, I didn't see Mother, but it's uh, it's not for the weak of heart. That's what I heard. And I am the weak of heart. (laughs) I said, that's not for me. No one supposedly really knew that J-Law was pregnant. 
Mm. And Dumois hinted that they knew that she was pregnant. But like, if you saw the blinds that were supposedly related to this, they were pretty weak. Yeah. It could have been any any A-lister been like, see, I knew that. Yeah. Dumois likes to say that she knew things. And I think sometimes she does, but I think sometimes she just says it, which, hey, do you think Dumois? I'm still following. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> like, where else am I going to get this information? And our second baby of the week, Kylie Jenner, is pregnant with her second baby. She famously, when she was pregnant with Stormy, it was big drama because there were rumors swirling that she was pregnant and she didn't confirm it until like the very end of her pregnancy. I remember where I was when I found out Kylie Jenner was pregnant. That's how pivotal that was to me. And it, she went dark on her platforms, which so this time she didn't go dark. So people, the way they found out all started with her, her manicures. Yeah, exactly. Because they were tracking like this manicure is from months ago. Yeah. This is not a current photo. She's posting to distract us from something. Obviously a pregnancy. You can't get anything past the social media savvy people in the world. And that was great because manicures are like difficult, right? Like you're not going to get your nails done two days in a row. So especially the type of manicures that Kylie Jenner gets. She's not like getting her nails painted. She's getting like a set put on. And so like TikTok and Dumois both were talking a lot about this. And then her birthday party posts were very underwhelming for Kardashian Jenner. Like usually their birthday posts are like obnoxiously big and, and also especially very tasteless. Kylie. Yes. Like posting that you're having a huge party in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. It's like, uh, excuse me, what? Which Kylie did for her baby Stormy. And I think. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say my my favorite posts, though, were the sushi posts because she posted that she was eating sushi and then fans noticed, oh, this is vegetarian sushi. So then the next time she posted about sushi, there was definitely like raw fish sushi, which was just like totally trolling the the people who are speculating that she was pregnant, which I thought was super funny. That's so funny. Say what you will. Kylie Jenner will put on a show on social media. I'm excited to see this baby as much as it pains me to say it. Stormy is really cute. So this baby is going to be cute. How do you feel about Travis Scott, though? Because he's been on again, off again. People had kind of assumed that they were off. And now they're speculating that they're back on because of the second baby. That's true. I don't have a particular opinion about Travis Scott, mostly because I don't really have a particular opinion about Kylie Jenner. She's easily my least favorite of the Kardashians. I get her thing. She's not for me. So I'm not deep into her relationship drama. I mean, aside from the social media posts, is she also like probably the most low, like low key? Like, I feel like I feel like she's more into the business aspect of things. Like when I've seen her interview and do stuff, she's more interested in that than being like, I'm a dramatic figure living my life on TV, if that makes sense. I think so. But I think they go hand in hand with each other. I think she knows that she is more influential than some of the other girls. So she doesn't try as hard. Like Kim is like kind of the leader. So she doesn't have to try as hard, but she does have to be aware of all of it. So she is focused on giving a good performance on TV. Courtney and Chloe are not as influential as Kim. They never will be. So they are also focused on giving a good performance on TV. Kendall 
is famous for having no personality and being boring. So she also feels this pressure to be interesting on TV. Kylie Jenner, I don't feel feels the need to be interesting on TV, specifically because she's got enough other shit going on. Yeah. Um, but I think because of that, she is inherently interesting on TV because she doesn't have to try as hard. Oh, because you're just kind of like, what's what's going on over there? She just I think she has this um because she has been on TV since she was like 12 and yeah. we've been with her the whole time. She's grown up knowing how to be on TV. So I think she just doesn't have to try. That's the thing that kind of like freaks me out a little bit about the genders is like I remember watching I remember watching very early episodes yeah. of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like I remember the first time I watched it, my mom's like, what is this shit? And I was like, I don't know, it's rich. It's a rich family doing yeah. rich shit. And looking at the Jenners at that age on TV, I remember being old enough thinking this is really weird because you're like the clips were them like playing with their puppy, you know, and it's just like this feels sort of exploited. Like it seems like you should acknowledge the kids are there, but what we're really here for is what the older sisters are sucking and fucking. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the other reason. That's the that's the main reason I don't really care if she's back together with Travis Scott. And I also I like when the Kardashians have kids because the babies are usually cute and I'm not worried for that child's well-being. Like, yes, they'll grow up in the spotlight, which is, has its own thing. But like that child's not going to be hungry. That child's not going to be not taken care of. So it's like, keep having babies. I don't care who you married to. Yeah. That's- yeah. And that that's a big thing I think about, too, is like these people have plenty of money. Like they could have 10 kids and it. It, I'm the all be and fine. every baby would have a much more luxurious life. Than exactly. Me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the tweets? That's like it's like me. It's like me, like jumping off a building so I can get reincarnated as Kylie's baby. <laughs> no, but I understand it. Yeah. And the big babe, the biggest, most high profile baby news of the week. I, I like that. I thought you were going to say the biggest baby. <laughs> I was going to, but then I realized I said big baby earlier. And I've been thinking, did you ever watch that episode of Rugrats where there's a character who's named big baby? Yeah. So that's what I think of every time I say it. Well, so, this is. And I don't want to think of it because it scares me. <laughs> it scared me a lot when I was a kid. So I don't want to think of big baby. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's OK. You, there's nothing you could have done. I'm already thinking about big baby. <laughs> but the most high profile baby of the week, John Mulaney officially confirmed that Olivia Munn is pregnant with his child, which is a rumor that has been swirling in the blinds and also in like the L.A. comedy community, because a lot of comedy people like tangentially know people who tangentially know Nick Kroll. And it, the timeline of everything of this, of his whole relationship with Olivia Munn has been suspect from the beginning. So everyone kind of is like, this is not like a surprise, but it's officially been confirmed now. Yes. And it was, it did break on TikTok too, through two comedians who were tied to the New York scene. And their whole video was basically like, we know someone who knows someone who knows someone who hangs out with him, which in these comedy circles, yeah, it is that small. Um, and they broke it back then. So this was like back in, I think, like late May. And then everyone, all these weird ass John Mulaney stands were like, no, it can't be true. He yeah. said he never wanted to have children. And they were like, 
ready to kill people over this. And then even when they found out Olivia Munn was pregnant, the stands just like wanted to blow out their minds, which yeah, John Mulaney, I'm sorry. I don't know who needs to hear this, but John Mulaney is not hot or this is fuckable. This is what's weird about all of this is First of all, we've all recently learned the word parasocial. It's been throwing around and it's been being thrown around in this discourse. Basically, a lot of people feel this like insane kinship with John Mulaney, which obviously he cultivates. And everyone was really upset when he divorced his wife for Olivia Munn because I mean, and whatever, we don't know the full details of what, when or why the divorce happened, but because he in all his comedy specials, he's like, I love my wife. And then he left her and started dating this woman who is famous for like being fat phobic. <laughs> like, so it's but it's also like this isn't your friend. You don't actually get to have an emotion about his life. However, what I will say, I saw a TikTok that sums up how I feel about the discourse is she's like, yes, I understand it's parasocial and it's weird. However, if someone came up to me, she said, if I ha- if my friend Anna came up to me and said, my husband left me for this woman and now she's pregnant, that's good gossip. She's like, so I don't have a parasocial relationship. I just like gossip. Yeah, the gossip part. I mean, that's that's juicy. fun. I love anyone who or anyone's gossip who leaves their wife and does get someone pregnant. Yeah. That's exciting. But the like. Fun- pieces of this is a apparently his intervention was star studded and it's something that like everyone keeps reiterating it's like I don't care if there were celebrities at your intervention and and he made it into a joke bit so people who've already seen his new material are already quoting it on Twitter being like and then he said he was the funniest person in the room and left and it's like okay so we're all excited to see his new material but like this this weird yeah, paros- parasocial bullshit. Get get out of here. If you well, think you're friends with John Mulaney, I don't want gossip from you. Well, and this is my thing about it. And this might be controversial to the John to the Anna Tendler stance. This is the best thing that ever happened to Anna Tendler. Let me tell you oh, why. I, I've i already been speculating this. I'm guessing. On. And look, we don't know the details of the divorce. They're obviously not really talking about it, but. I'm guessing it wasn't just like John Mulaney out of completely nowhere left his wife and then started dating Olivia Munn. Obviously, the timeline is a little suspect. Maybe there was overlap. But Anna Tendler is very much creating this victim personality on Instagram, reposting sour, posting photos, knowing that she's getting this favorable light without actually talking about any of it. My suspicion is that it's a little more complex than either of them are letting on. And they just decided not to talk publicly about it. But Anna is obviously playing into it because she knows that everyone hates Olivia Munn, which is good for her. And if you look at the timeline, like when she posted Sour, I didn't realize this until I was going back into this last night. She was posting that the same time the TikTok thing broke that said that Olivia Munn was pregnant. So... There's like this weird relationship that I'm sure Anna Tendler first off knows a lot. I mean, she does know a lot more Mm -hmm. of what's going on, but she does probably have an arrangement of what she can say and can't say related to probably the divorce settlement. Like Mm -hmm. you will get alimony or certain spousal support if you 
concede to certain uh, agreements here. Yeah. And one, she, her biggest career move was through her marriage to him. Like she is a Broadway artistic designer. Yeah. Because of her connection to John Mulaney. And we don't really know John Mulaney's whole story because there's a lot of blind saying that he was cheating on her with strippers. So yeah. before Olivia Munn and before this divorce, he was having a fun time with sex workers. Well, yeah. And also, it's all very unclear. So this is the timeline, according to John Mulaney. In, I, have, I have it um, pulled up. So according to John Mulaney, he went to rehab in September of 2020, got out of rehab in October 2020, and then moved out of his home with Anna, hosted the Halloween episode of SNL, relapsed, got a job at Seth Meyers to help him get stability. It didn't work. And then he had an intervention and then went to rehab in December through February. And then a month and a half after that was living in sober living. In spring, apparently, he started dating Olivia. In June, they appear in public together. In July, he files for divorce. And now Olivia Munn is pregnant. The timeline doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a little unclear. He's not admitting it, obviously, that there was overlap with Olivia and Anna. Obviously, there was some kind of overlap. Granted, divorce is like a bureaucratic nightmare. So I'm guessing that they were separated. He was hooking up with Olivia Munn, and it wasn't a surprise to Anna Tendler. But the thing that's iffy about this, which we haven't gotten any confirmation on or whatever, is like we know Olivia Munn and John Mulaney met at Seth Meyers' wedding in 2013, where Olivia Munn has openly said she was obsessed with John Mulaney and kept following him around. Yeah. And their official story is that they reconnected at church and that they're dating now. Which, like, let's be honest, no one's going to church. Well, and also notably, John Mulaney, you know, was raised Catholic and has openly said, like, I don't believe in religion, Catholicism, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, when people get sober, often they find religion. It's not like weird of someone well, to change their mind. It's embedded in the AA program. Yeah. But it seems likely that they met at like an AA thing, which is why yeah. wouldn't you say that? That's actually a very good point to make because they definitely could have met at an AA thing. And honestly, that would even be like stronger branding. Yeah. So it just feels like weird that there are some details they're leaving out that it feels like, why would you leave that out? I get not wanting to admit to overlap because obviously your fans are very mad at you. And obviously all the fans, you know, the fans are very concerned with, oh, he said he didn't want kids. Now he's having a kid. People change their mind all the time about that, whatever. And also accidental pregnancies happen and people choose to keep them. Not a big deal. Especially if you have money. Oof. Exactly. Why would you not keep a baby? We don't even get into all of that. Um, uh, well, we will. Yeah, we will. Unfortunately, <laughs> we have. Unfortunately, but we will get there. I'm more concerned with that. What more fascinates me about this story is the timeline, how they actually met. And people are speculating that Olivia Munn is further along in her pregnancy than they're claiming. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you saw the photo. Yeah, that's what I mean. And whatever. I've never been pregnant. So I and everyone shows differently. But everyone's like, that's not a four month baby. Bump. I know when that baby pops out, then there's going to be some people really doing math here. Yeah, we'll get some mathematicians when that baby comes out. <laughs> Granted, do I think this baby's going to be gorgeous? Absolutely. Yeah. And yes. this baby is going to have such a fucked up um, childhood because of the media. 
this baby's going to be an awesome stand-up comedian in yeah. about 20 years. <laughs> I, I was going to say that too. I can't wait to oh, see their first Can't wait till that baby special, special comes out. <laughs> Great. Okay. Ready for the, the heavy one. Let's do it. We got Biden Bites, which is a segment where we tell Biden what he's doing wrong. Yeah. The first Biden bite of the day is something that I think Biden is doing right. Although, granted, it's a a little late. He should have started with this a long time ago. Should have led with this, pal. He's basically like ramping up vaccine efforts. He is now making vaccines more heavily required, specifically if you are a federal employee, you have to be vaccinated and there's no option for weekly testing anymore. You have to be vaccinated or you're getting fired. Obviously, I think this is a good thing because I am pro-vax. Sue me. And it's obvious the reason why he's doing this in my research slash understanding is that he's taken a hit in his approval rating. Number one, because of Afghanistan. And number two, because he came in, the pandemic looked like it was ending. And then we all had to put masks on, masks on again. So right now he's like, as far as his approval rating shows, he's like failing in domestic policy and foreign relations. So he needs to get something going. So obviously what he's focusing on is COVID. That's what he wants his legacy to be is ending this pandemic. And I would love that if it was his legacy too along with other things. So I think this is a good thing, but obviously it's just a little too late. He should have done this months ago. Yeah. And he's also working with OSHA to make it a workplace requirement as well. Mm -hmm. And this led to right wingers start calling him King Biden and absolutely absurd because there is people are now pointing out a 1905 court case, yeah. Supreme Court case that actually backs Biden. I mean, obviously, there's precedent for this. And I mean, the whole vaccine thing is so, so stupid because we have immunization records. There are vaccines we have always needed. Yes. The way this has been politicized is so, so stupid and so like manipulative of the American people by the people in power. And it's damage that we're never going to undo that Donald Trump and his team did and what Fox News is doing, because Donald Trump, Fox News, all of these people who are publicly anti-vax are vaccinated. They are. And Joe Biden can do everything he needs to do. But there are people who their mind is made up and it sucks because we let Donald Trump have this platform. And guess what? He used it. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, it's kind of the same with the the Afghanistan stuff where he did he did what people have been 70 percent of Americans have been asking for our president to do, which yeah. is pull out of Afghanistan. And now we have CNN and Netflix creating content where they'll they'll say like, oh, it's great. We pulled out. But here's what's bad about it. And they're like making it because they have to have a 24 hour news cycle. They have to have and they have to have drama. And I just want to say to Americans, it's not our responsibility for Afghanistan to have a working democracy. That is not our fucking job. It sucks. It sucks what's happening to people. But what we were doing there obviously was not giving them independence. Obviously, 
was not working. And that's why the Taliban was able to get there as fast as they did. And so this bullshit of, oh, we should stay there. No, that's just a bunch of bureaucrats saying we want our paychecks and you've taken that away from us. So please don't fall victim to that. So I also think we should bring up what broke uh, right before recording this is that the Justice Department is suing Texas. So we watched the Supreme Court not give a shit, but the lawyers of the Justice Department do give a shit. So thank you, Justice Department, for giving the most basic of shits. So a lawsuit was filed Thursday in a Texas federal court saying that the new abortion law violates the Constitution. And they argue that the law infringes on the constitutional rights for women and that the federal law supersedes the state laws. That's wonderful that the Department of Justice is doing this. But you know what would be actually better than the Department of Justice doing this? If the Senate passed a law tomorrow, that would help protect women. And then we wouldn't even have to do a fucking lawsuit. But they won't because we got Arizona Kristen and Joe Manchin, which means Biden, get your fucking house in order, dude. Yeah. Democrats for like the first time in 20 years has the fucking majority and you're just pissing it away. It's incredibly insulting when Democrats time and time again use this platform that, oh, we're the party that gives a shit. Well, if you give a shit, then how about you start protecting people like you fucking say when you're on the goddamn campaign trail, you motherfuckers. Yeah. And it's like the thing about it to me is I don't like, but I understand that politicians don't want to give us everything at once because then there's no reason to keep them in office. So I understand why poli- why maybe it's not going to be like Medicare for all, student loan forgiveness, all right away. But this is a law that is actively endangering the lives of millions of women. Fucking do something. Yes. Don't just cry in a corner because people are mad that you withdrew from Afghanistan. It's CNN, Joe. Turn off the TV. <laughs> Don't lose sleep over shit. Don't even watch TV. If you turn on your TV, watch a fun TV show. Do not watch the news. Why, as Joe Biden, are you watching the news? You're the news. You are the news and you could make the best news. Afghanistan, we applaud you. We love that you got us the fuck out of there. I honestly never thought that would happen in my lifetime. Yeah. And now how about you protect women? Because Because we've been asking for that one for very long ass time because again 77 percent of americans support roe versus wade whether you know they're publicly pro-life or whatever because let's face it there's plenty of republicans who support abortion yeah they obviously can't say it yes but let's let's be let's be honest for a second let's get real and that's this week's biden bites so for our main topic of the week we are talking about the met gala what is the met gala you ask It is an annual celebration in honor of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costumes Institute's spring exhibit opening, which usually also serves as a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. And what it's known for mostly is that people come in in an outfit that matches the theme of the exhibit or is meant to. People do this obviously to varying degrees of success, but it's always a fun time of year when the outfits come out. You can look, scroll through the photos. Past themes have been like Catholicism. And you'll remember some of the iconic looks from that time. Rihanna, Blake Lively, incredible stuff. There was also famously the Camp Met Gala where Carly Kloss looked camp right in the eye. 
<laughs> it is it is a hot ticket fashion item. One of our few like one of our few events that is like this is purely for fashion. Anna Wintour obviously makes the guest list. She invites people. And it's kind of this almost old school event for celebrities that is going through kind of a change. Yeah. Uh, Anna Wintour, if you don't know, I think I hope all our listeners know. But if you don't know, I'm not going to judge you. She is the editor of Vogue and basically made Vogue Vogue. Watch the Devil Wears Prada. And she has a short little bob and big sunglasses all the time. That's what she's known for. And she eats plain chicken cutlets. I would not want to have a conversation with Anna Wintour. No. Uh, I imagine it would be very dry. Yeah. Which, hey, you're Anna Wintour. Um, and this year, this is the first year you'll actually be able to watch it. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. And it's hosted by Kiki Palmer and Alana Glazer. What's there to watch? Just the red carpet? Yeah, well, I think it's okay. the red carpet. And you can watch it on Vogue.com. Wow. Or you can watch it on Vogue's Twitter, which I think I'll probably be watching on Vogue's Twitter. It comes on, if you're listening to this on Monday, it comes on tonight at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Nice. I'll be watching that at work. It's So what's interesting about the Met Gala right now, and I think it's interesting that now they're like streaming it, is... I think fashion has this reputation or it has for a long time of being very deliberate and on a very clear timeline. There's fall collections, there's spring collections, There's ready to wear, there's couture, there's Mm -hmm. resort wear. But with the rise of fast fashion, the fashion trend cycle is moving faster than it ever has before. And I think a magazine like Vogue has to adapt to that. Yeah, we're in this really weird time because is Anna considered a boomer too? I mean, I think so. Let me look up how old she's she is. Old. She's, she's got to be a boomer. And the other problem too that you hear about is people don't want to advertise in Vogue anymore because people aren't picking up magazines to get fashion. They're getting fashion from TikTok. They're getting fashion from Instagram. They're getting yeah. fashion from all of these social media outlets and a lot of times from more bloggers than from say what a model's wearing or what a fashion editor says. Yeah. It's like fashion is much more, you're much more likely to follow someone's brand and their fashion is an extension of that rather than follow someone's fashion. I looked it up. Anna Wintour is 71 years old. So obviously she's, kind of stuck in these antiquated ways of fashion where it's not like fashion week doesn't exist anymore, obviously, but particularly with COVID fashion is fashion does not have to be on the runway to be respected. And TikTok's a big part of that, that like up and coming designers get like high exposure and then fast fashion companies take the trends and recreate them super fast with high turnover for them. But I think as long as, people are super rich. Like we have this big wage gap. I don't think runways and that president of fashion is ever going to go away because there is that exclusivity that, that is so American and so worshiped that we kind of do like looking at people like Rihanna and other billionaires and seeing what they do and decide is fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, And this 
just to mention really quick that this Met Gala is usually in May. It's usually the first Monday of May. Of course, it got postponed because of COVID. And that's why it's in September this year. But it's also happening at the tail end of the New York Fashion Week. So mm-hmm. it is kind of, I imagine it's going to be like the cap of that whole week yeah. of fashion. Yeah, I think I think fashion is, I think like this high fashion mentality is going to be here to stay. And I think the thing that the Met Gala does is make high fashion an event that is digestible and discussable for the general public that runways don't necessarily do. Yeah. And I think it's just two different things because you see things on the runway that are never meant to be worn on the street. It's almost like it's an art piece. Yes. Yes. And that's the same about the things that come to the Met Gala, but we still judge them on our own aesthetics, our own understandings of fashion. And they're easy to judge too, because there is a theme for the Met Gala. So it's kind of an easily digestible version of fashion. And because of that success, it has become almost less, less A-listy just because it's accessible. But I, and I don't think that's a bad thing, but it's like, I think that is how it has, because it's like a social media event, the Met Gala every year. I think it has become less exclusive, even though Anna Wintour famously chooses who to invite and she can not invite people, everyone can live through it on Twitter. So it's like not actually the exclusive event that many of fashion's greatest events are. I think, though, it's in its favor. It's becoming more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, this year's theme is in America, a lexicon of fashion. And I also wonder, OK, so we we will go over the list, the alleged list of who's invited and going through the names a lot of the people on the list are actually A-list. There's only like a handful mm-hmm. of people that I'm really like, who the fuck is this person? Well, this is the thing. There's an argument that it's becoming less A-listy, but there's no A-lister that's saying no to coming to the Met Gala. I also think, well, there, there are a couple. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But I think also, I think the A-list is shifting. It's shifting. Yeah. Definitely a lot of the people who are invited this year or who've accepted are a lot younger and it's a lot more diverse. So mm-hmm. I think I think we're just changing what our standards are to become an A-lister are versus versus like past A-listers are kind of kind of boring and not fun at these well, events. It's also the past A-listers are like these people became famous for like what they do. So we don't know a lot about their personalities. Yeah. But now personality factors a lot more into fame than it used to, especially as Gen Z comes of age. Personality is what gets you staying famous. I mean, I think that's because that's what we're that's how we're digesting a lot of our pop culture now. It's like, how are you presenting yourself on your social media? Like, are you approachable? Is this a person I want to keep watching? Whereas before to become famous, it's like, do I like this album? Yeah, you had you were already produced product given to people and already put tons of money in. Now they're putting tons of money into people who already have shown that they're interesting. Yeah. Take like Lil Nas X, for example. He shot to A-list much faster because I would argue he's A-list now. Um, He shot to A-list much faster than he would have without social media because he has his music, which is fun and great. I like his music, but his personality is what keeps us listening to his music. I don't think he could have parlayed himself out of the hole he dug with Old Town Road 
without his personality. I agree. And the same can be said of like Addison Ray or any of these famous TikTokers. It's like you don't really have to have talent to be famous anymore, which I don't think necessarily is a bad thing. Let anyone be famous. I don't care. But it's I think there's this like old guard that whatever made the Met Gala that almost wants to be like, well, we can't invite influencers. Yes, you can. They're just as famous as George Clooney. And they're going to. And you know what an influencer will do? An influencer will bring us a look because they have to have a photo. Yeah. And over the years, I think the Met Gala has really evolved into something performative. Like before it kind of was like you were a model, you know, that was going to come in and you're supposed to wear the garment. And now it's changed. Like as we saw in 2019, like Lady Gaga (laughs) changed her outfit, transformed her outfit while walking into the gala. And it's also like so much more informed by personality as well as fashion. And we can see that, especially in the camp theme, because there's so many different ways to go with camp. So you learn a lot about not only fashion, but how that person expresses themselves through fashion. And I think that's why this American theme is going to be really good, because a lot of people when this theme was announced were like, oh, what are they going to wear? Blue jeans? I think there are so many cool things you can do with this theme. Yeah. You want to know what I would do? What would you do? One million percent. I'm doing like a Dior new look silhouette, like classic 50s housewife inspired shape. That's exactly what I'm doing. And like kind of maybe a modern pattern. So like that really like cinched waist, cone bra, big skirt in like, I don't know, some kind of modern pattern. I'm not a fashion designer. But yeah, that's I was the like, kind what of look. would you do? Gingham? Paisley? No, Gingham's too, um, Gingham's too like American. I want to do something like mismatched with that. Like something that doesn't really match the aesthetic of 1950s housewife. Like something punk rock, some, not graffiti because that's old hat. But like leather, leather could be. Oh, leather could be leather, cool. Leather's American. Yeah. Oh my god, like a leather daddy housewife. That's yeah. it. That's the look. <laughs> that's exactly the look. I want something Halston looking because I. Oh I feel yeah. like Halston, and maybe I'm easily swayed by the recent Halston media that we can all consume, but. He changed American fashion. He made American fashion notable. Mm-hmm. I mean, contemporary of Calvin Klein, but I think you could argue to say Halston was bigger than Calvin Klein at Halston's peak. That's true. I do also think there's, I mean, there's so many things you can do because you can go like dec- decade by decade and pick different stuff. Yeah. You know, someone's going to do something Woodstock inspired. Someone's going to do Ralph Lauren inspired. Oh, yeah. It's, well, and you know, someone's going to do like Yacht Club, Sperry's, which I think is incredible fun. Yeah. And you know what? I think there is a someone's obviously going to, and I think there's a place for it, do like a really high fashion, red, white, and blue 4th of July look. I know I that's the part that kind of makes me feel cringe because it's like, well, I worry about who's going to do it because here's the I feel like that's camping. I think we're going to see less of that than we think, because it's going to be everyone's first thought. Everyone's going to be like, well, I'm not going to be the one person who does that. Yeah. And the people who do do that will either be the people who don't have that filter or the people who are like, I'm famous enough that I can get away with doing that. Like Lady Gaga could come out in a really like classic fourth of july look and make it really high fashion because she has that point of view on it i mean look at her 
her look from the inauguration, that was quintessential American look while still being very high fashion. Yeah. I think she's a good choice. I think also, I mean, I think someone who shouldn't be doing that look, who's not quite evolved for it, will do it. But I think there's a lot of really cool options. I'm excited to see what people turn out. Uh, Yeah. So I want to also give you some more deets about the event. Yes. So there is going to be a part two to this theme, and it's called In America, an Anthology of Fashion. Mm. So the lexicon of fashion to me says we're going to focus on what is the language? What are things that make up American fashion? Okay. And then in America, an anthology fashion, I think that's where you're really going to see your leather daddy housewife. Housewives. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Ooh, interesting. And that'll be in the first Monday in May of 2022. Can't wait. The menu is plant-based. Fair. Fair enough. Very but I, I feel like it was last or two years ago. I think, yeah, I think they might be pivoting in that direction. Yeah, I think a, actually a lot of events are. Oh, the Oscars. That's who did that. Oh, yeah. Which, hey, free dinner is free dinner. Yeah. And honestly, as whether we like it or not, it's a future we should all <laughs> get used start to engaging with. There's also, oh, this was funny. Did you see there's a Met Gala fan account? And they started trolling, I mean, trolling, lightly using that word, uh, by posting like possible seating charts. <laughs> I didn't see that. So people were freaking out like Addison Ray would never sit next to Beyonce. <laughs> That's funny. And it's also being co-chaired, which is basically hosting. So I wonder if these people have input, and especially after I went through the list of who's invited, I feel like they might have had some input. I think so. Of who was invited. But we have Timothy Chalamet, who I heard was a bull. The blinds say he was a bully in his private school days. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I know someone who was friends with his roommate in college, and he was just, uh, according to them, like pretty quiet, didn't say much. Oh, but he went by Timmy. Went by Timmy then. Oh, we should yeah. call him Timmy. Um, we got Amanda Gorman. Oh, who is a poet, the poet from, yes, the inauguration. We got Billie Eilish. Sure. And we got Naomi Osaka. And Billie Eilish is the youngest to date to host. Um, And she's 18. She just turned 18 not that long ago. Do you know who's hosting the after party? No. Rihanna. Perfect. And Rihanna, like you had mentioned, she takes this so seriously for the year of the Catholic year, she came dressed as a pope, was probably like the only notable person that year because of how wildly beautiful her pope costume was. She was. Yeah. I mean, Rihanna always looks good every year. There are some people who, you know, are always going to give a good look. And that's Rihanna. Rihanna walked so that uh, Catherine O'Hare's character in Shit's <laughs> Creek could run, you know? Yeah. There will be no Sarah Jessica Parker this year. That's OK. Because she's filming and just like that. Yeah, I don't know about I mean, I don't care either way about Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, but I feel like she's such she's a kind of a mainstay fashion icon like and she does always have a good look for. Yeah. And she always goes with Andy Cohen. And since right. she's not going, Andy Cohen's not going this year, mm. which kind of makes me think 
I don't think Andy Cohen's ever invited. I think he just gets to go with Jessica Parker. So which, since she's not going, he can't go. Yeah, which I love that. Gatekeep I, I Andrew, that Co- Andrew Cohen for more things. I don't know. I called him Andrew Cohen. <laughs> because That's funny. you're serious about it? Yeah, get, do not let Andrew Cohen in here. Guests are required to be vaccinated and they have to wear masks. So that's, I think that'll be an interesting element to the gala that I didn't initially consider. I kind of thought most of the looks would probably be maskless, but then when I read that they have to wear a mask and now I'm thinking if you don't do something creative with the mask, what are you even doing there? Yeah, it's American fashion. Bitch, figure out how to put on a mask. That's American now. <laughs> and make it look good, baby. Yeah, I think I think we're going to see some really cool looks. I love the Met Gala always. And a winter invite me next year. Please invite both of us. Gossier yeah. needs to be there. We'll show up if you invite us. We won't bail, <laughs> I promise. We will. We'll have we'll find a designer. Yeah. Oh, that's what we should do. We should just find a designer because I think yeah. they also sort of dictate a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So. WWD, which is Women's Wear Daily, it's kind of like the um, the mother magazine to Vogue. Like, yeah, everyone reads Vogue. But if you're really serious about fashion, you're reading WWD. Their official list of who's invited includes Beyonce, Kim, Emma Chamberlain, Addison Rae and Allison Felix. Great list. I'm excited to see what Emma Chamberlain wears. So I didn't even know who the hell that was. I had to look her up. Does that make me? Yeah, she's a YouTuber. She's a pretty famous YouTuber, but her whole thing is kind of like casual, relaxed, relatable. So I'm curious to see what she's going to wear. What are her YouTubes about? What? What, What's her YouTube channel like? It's like I'm going to get iced coffee today. Like, (laughs) okay, it's it is the it's like the purest form of vlogging. But she just has like this really like magnetic personality. So I think. So she's famous, like very weirdly for not much at all. And her whole thing is like, yeah, I love wearing leggings and T-shirts like she is about as basic as they come. But somehow she's just gotten a huge following because of it. So I'm really excited to see what she's going to wear. Yeah, she I did not go down. I probably should have watched like at least one of her videos. But I was just like, haven't heard of you and I don't give a shit about YouTube. And yeah, I will not start giving a shit about YouTube. Oh, yeah. I'm not deep into YouTubers. I only know about Emma Chamberlain because I've heard of her from other people who are into YouTube or who or I just know her name. What I know about Emma Chamberlain, she's like very beloved. Are we supposed to give a shit about YouTube? You think? I think it depends. I a lot of YouTube was really big for millennials my age because vloggers were very big when we were in like middle school. And so a lot of people my age are still deeply into YouTube. It was never something I got really into. It's all the same. I mean, and also a lot of like TikTokers also have YouTubes and are trying to be YouTubers. So it all bleeds into itself. I don't really watch YouTube. Yeah, TikTok makes more sense to me than YouTube. One of my favorite TikTokers has YouTube and I don't watch her. If you are a YouTube head, let us know. (laughs) Tell us what we're missing. If you want us to talk about you. I, I know the very I only know the big stories from YouTube, which is to say Trisha Paytas. I know all that. I don't even know what that uh, is. David Dobrik. You don't know who Trisha Paytas is? Mm-mm. Maybe I am knowledgeable because Trisha Paytas is like famous. Like my 
my age group, it was just like, let's watch joke videos. <laughs> yeah. Trisha Paytas. Oh my God. I'm going to have to send you some Trisha Paytas videos. It's like there's certain YouTubers that I'm well aware of, but it's really just the big ones. Okay. Yeah. Give me a, give me a debriefing. So two people who did notably back out was Zendaya and she's saying, cause she's also had some great looks over the years. She was Cinderella yeah. for camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but she saying she has too much work, which, which fair. Yeah, she I'm does. A, I'm She's a busy Zendaya fan. So girl, make that money. Yeah, exactly. And then Selena Gomez also backed out, but I didn't see a reason why. But I wouldn't be surprised if hers was also work because, you know, she yeah. just had that show drop and she is booked and busy. That she might be having another album coming out. I've heard that, too. I do. I am upset that we won't see a Selena Gomez look, but also no offense, Selena Gomez. She doesn't always turn the most interesting looks, but I love her anyway. <laughs> I mean, she is very lovable for someone who aged out of when her Disney prime was watching her as an adult. I'm like, really? I'm connected. Even even on Only Murders in the Building, I've been watching that. I've been watching it, too. And I'm like, she comes off as like very dry in that. Mm-hmm. But I still am not I'm not upset by it. I'm like kind good in it. I'm digging it. So she plays. She is. She actually works very well with Martin Short and Steve Martin. Yeah. In a way does. that like you wouldn't expect her to. But she does come off like very dry and smart. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's like dry in a way where I'm like, this is working for me. This is not. Whereas normally I feel like that kind of personality falls flat for yeah. some reason. The way she does it with this character, I find it very charming. Mm-hmm. So we have a huge list. We're not going to get through all the names because, you know, we all have shit to do. Mm-hmm. But we have I have compiled a Dumois list of all the people Dumois is reporting. Yes. So Dumois, if you we've mentioned it before, it's an Instagram account that is you should really subscribe to it if you like us as much as we yeah. do. Not everything there is always reliable. And sometimes it's very vague where it could be anyone. But this list has been very um, blatant. Yeah. And take it all with a grain of salt because it's Dumois. It's not verified. But so I'll list off some obvious A-listers that are going that I don't think would be disputable. Yeah. Uh, we got Kate Hudson. Great. Claire Danes. Sure. Serena Williams. Justin and Haley. Lizzo, Alicia Keys, sure. J Lo, tentatively Ben. There's been rumors that Ben Affleck, for some reason, can't make it, but everybody on J Lo's team wants him to be there. Ben Affleck does not want to be at the Met Gala, but of course J Lo wants Ben Affleck at the Met Gala. You know how that if Ben Affleck shows up, you know how many stories are going to be about anyone else? None. And the thing is, this is a good year to show up. Okay. J-Lo's team, if you're listening, J-Lo and Ben Affleck, it's so easy. Come as Danny and Sandy from Greece. <laughs> it literally does not get more simple. That's good. That's a good one. That's come as hot Sandy or honestly come as beginning of the movie Sandy too, if you're J-Lo. You can't go wrong either way. And then Ben Affleck barely has to wear a crazy look. What about, what if they did West Side Story? Oh yeah, that'd be cute. Ben Affleck has now I I'm invested if Ben Affleck shows up. Uh, anyway, we also have like Sharon Stone, 
Sure. Uh, Taraj EP Henson tentatively. I guess there's rumors that she may not make it. We'll see. She's kind of almost A-list, B-list, probably. I feel like she's A-list. I feel like she's been around long enough. You look at her. I guess and she's going to be in Annie Live. So that's going to bump her back up. I was just thinking I hadn't seen her in something in a while. Yeah. Which, I mean, we can all blame the pandemic. You can blame the pandemic on that one. That's like probably some of our heaviest hitters Mm -hmm. in my mind. Uh, But we also have, okay, so I want to hear what do you think about Sean Mendes and Camilla uh, Cabello? Yeah. This is the problem with Sean and Camilla. They might do Danny and Sandy. I hate Sean and Camilla because it's obviously, and whatever, have your own opinion. It's obviously a PR relationship. That is my favorite thing is that they get trolled all the time on Twitter for having the fakest relationship. And they've been together for so long that at this point it must be real. But did you see what Camila Cabello wore to the Cinderella premiere? No. It was like a big floofy ball gown skirt and like a plain white t-shirt. It was absolutely hideous. The woman has not one iota of taste. She's going to wear an ugly outfit. And Sean Mendez has taste, but no style. So he's going to wear the most basic, like sheer T-shirt. He's going to wear like a mesh T-shirt and like mesh jeans and think he's doing something. And guess what, Sean? You're not. The thing that bothers me a lot about Camilla, too, is that she she somehow got a pass on that racist scandal. Yeah. I mean, I don't really I don't like Camilla because I was a Fifth Harmony fan. I know I was a harmonizer and. Is that what they were called? I think so. The harmonizer. <laughs> and Camilla was like famously always mean to them and like trying yeah. to be like the star of it in interviews. And I never cared for Camilla's voice and I still don't. And I wish she would stop being famous. Honestly, I do. Um, I understand why she's being invited. She's a big star. But I, I would be truly surprised if Sean and Camilla showed up in something that wasn't hideous. My other favorite thing that people troll them about, aside from their fake relationship, too, is that they are always carrying mugs in their paparazzi photos. And people are like, there's got to be nothing in those mugs. (laughs) Oh, I hate them. We also have here's a fun one because they're listed separately. But like, do you think they're going together? Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum. They're going to go together. Right. I like them. I don't know if Channing Tatum's going to turn a look. Okay, this is what I want Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz to go as. I don't think they will. Do you know that this is like a popular meme of like a certain type of person who you knew in middle school? You know, the girl in like middle school PE who's always eating hot Cheetos and wears Cookie Monster pajama pants? Yeah. I want them to be that couple, like that girl and her boyfriend. I feel like you just described... Sean and Camilla. No, no, (laughs) no. That's disrespect to Cookie Monster girls everywhere to associate her with Camilla. Although I think Camilla fancies herself that type of girl. I think I want Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum to look like the kids who like have to walk the mile every day in PE because they don't put on their gym shorts. That's the vibe I want from them. I love I love the way they look now. 
Like, I mean, it is actually pretty relaxed. Like, always going out. Well, I want. Well, that's what I want the vibe to be at the Met Gala. I don't want them to be like. Oh, I love what they're doing, but at the Met Gala, that's what I want them to channel. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. Okay, we have Kim Petrus. I honestly couldn't tell you what Kim Petrus looks like. She's really pretty. I like her music, but I can't tell you what she looks like. But I do think that her status as a burgeoning gay icon will make her succeed. What songs, though? I had to look up who she was, and I just saw, oh, German singer, I'm out. (laughs) I don't think she's had any big hits on the radio, honestly. But she's got this... She's got a very like loyal following. Clearly a gay so icon. I think she's going to be able to get a good designer to give her a good look. Oh, yeah, I I would. I saw the way she looks and she's like very attractive. So it's like, oh, that she would be fun to have you wear. Oh, yeah. She's going to not have a hard time finding a designer designer to design her something really cool. Now, this is one that I thought was super funny. Charles Melton is confirmed, but like. No one does, else from the Riverdale cast is confirmed. I do not understand how Charles Melton keeps getting getting invited to these things. Someone is trying to make him happen so hard. And like, don't get me wrong. I think he's very hot. Oh, he's gorgeous. Yeah. But I don't have any interest in him. And so I'm so confused how he keeps getting booked for things. I guess his agent is working hard. I, I kind of have an interest in him, but like off the top of your head, has he done anything outside of Riverdale? Like I know he did I that feel like one movie. Something... He did a movie where he was like a young guy who was in love with an older woman. It's just like, I don't have any interest in seeing him act. I don't. There you go. I love him every week on Riverdale. Yeah. And I'm sure he's going to do like like he's not going to wear anything exciting at the Met Gala. It's like, what's the point of having him other than the fact that he looks like a literal marble statue? I guess that's the whole point. Here's one that I haven't heard of, and I feel like I'm going to be really stupid. But I want to ask you if you've heard of her and then you can explain to me, because when I try to look her up, I was like, okay, I guess she's kind of known, but. I'm like, is she the same status? Are there other actresses who are similar who would have been more befitting? Amandala Stenberg. As a teen, she got like one of the most, uh, like she got influential awards as a teen. Yeah, she was in the Hunger Games. Um, and most recently, she was also in The Hate You Give. I think they're trying to make her happen as like a pretty big star because she was also in that one movie about the girl who like, it's like a Munchausen by proxy movie. Her mom tells her she's sick. She's, or yeah, her mom tells her she can't go out during the day and then she can, whatever. I'm not interested in seeing that movie. I think she's going to have a renaissance pretty soon. And I think she, I think it's good to get her in right now on the ground floor. I think this is good for them because obviously these like younger stars are going to be up and coming. And I think she's got enough stuff under her belt to say that she is going to have a long career. So I think she's going to I think she's worth getting. And I don't think there's a real comparison for someone at her level, except for like Zendaya three years ago. Oh, oh, you I know, think you say it that way. That kind of makes more sense. Yeah, I think me. that's why she's getting the invite, because she has she has the energy of being possibly the next Zendaya, which we can unpack as like society's like, okay, well, if we can't get Zendaya, we'll get another young black girl. But I think she benefits from getting that invite even so. And I think she has a career trajectory that could head in that direction because both of them had big childhood, 
roles and are parlaying it into adult roles. And I think yeah. Amanda Stanberg is just a little bit behind, but I think she's catching up because she's got some big things. That That's a good point. Um, now I'm back. I'm on, I'm on board. At on first board. I was like, what? But I think you did a great job of yeah. explaining that to me. Now this one, I am like, what the fuck about Christine Froseth? Who's that? She's an actress known in teen streaming shows, both on Hulu and Netflix. I believe two of them have the word Alaska in titles. Oh, looking for Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, why is she invited? This makes sense to me. Well, because looking for Alaska is it's a new show by the creators of Gossip Girl, the OC. It's a Joshua Safran show. Let's start there. It's about a year old. It didn't really take off mostly because of the pandemic, but it's an adaptation of a John Green book. She also has an Anya Taylor-Joy-esque look with like big eyes, big lips, like not necessarily your classic face. So I think they're trying to make her happen. I think, again, the Met Gala, it's a time when a lot of people have eyes on them for fashion. I think it can get you the right attention if you're trying to take off. I think she's probably I think her team worked hard to get her on that list because she's pretty and a designer is going to be happy to dress her. Yeah, I mean, she has a good look, but I feel like her overall credentials are a little weak. But then I thought maybe I'm just old. I think because she's got a good look, she can get away with not having a lot of stuff going on. But she has four upcoming projects. So I'm guessing that in the oh. next year, we're going to know her more. Okay. But okay. I do think that, I think that she doesn't have a lot going on for her, interestingly wise, but since she's a tall, interesting looking blonde girl, she kind of gets to cut the line. Not That's, fair, but not it's fair. the Met Gala. Met Gala is not about fairness, it's about fashion. <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> Those were the most notable, I thought, on the list. I mean, obviously there's tons. Obviously you could, go through every single person and talk about like why they should be there or shouldn't be there. Um, those were the ones that stood out to me as like either I didn't know them or maybe I thought they were a little less deserving for uh, hopefully now seems like obvious reasons. Yeah. That being but, said. Yeah, there's I'm excited to see who all is there. I'll be watching it. Maybe I'll post some on the Gossier stories as I'm. Oh, that we should get all out. Why post our favorites? We should. Live tweeted. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, anyway, so catch that. We'll be live tweeting the Met Gala. We'll be live posting our own opinions about the looks. Hell yeah. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Grace Piper. Bridget, where can everybody find you? You can find me on the same platforms at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast, same platforms at the Gossier on our Social media, there is a form you can fill out and pick a topic for us to talk about. We have done several so far and we love doing it. So feel free to give us some goss to take on. And it could be anything from how your stepmom's a bitch to how Texas laws are ruining your life. And if you like this podcast, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars and kind words would be much appreciated. That being said, that's it for this week. week. See you guys next week. See you next week, cover girls. <laughs> Bye.
Bagman. <laughs>